0: Now we're on. Morning, church. Matthew 6, starting at verse 19, a passage we've all heard before Treasures in heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body.
1: I hope you're not Death, because I have tickets to go see Jellyfish Sandwich tonight
0: and... I am not Death.
1: I am an angel. Oh. An angel of Death. Oh. What's with the cloak? Oh, I didn't want to frighten you. I've got big wings. Thanks. Hey, listen. Uh, things are going pretty good for me right now. Uh, is there any way that, you know, maybe I could get a little bit more time? A dollar. Where I'm from, the streets are paved with gold. Oh. Huh. Ah! I've got what you want. Right? Check it. So you got flatty. Right? And then affliction. All right? I mean, this is look you want. I think it'll really show off your eyes. I mean, it's got the sparkles, the bedazzles. Oh! I'm clothed in radiant light. Okay, all right. You're gonna destroy my retinas. All right, hey. How about these? You wanna fly like LeBron? Again, the wings. Ah. Uh. Like fast cars? Does it go with the speed of thought? I've gotten it up to 120. (laughs) Well, you can take it to go see jellyfish sandwich tonight. Two tickets, front row. I mean, they don't have a harp, but they're pretty good. Look, I work for the creator and designer of all music. Of all sound, for that matter. Of all matter, for that matter. I guess my new HD flat screen TV over there doesn't do anything for you? It's 3D. Yeah, so is the Milky Way. You're really a one-upper, you know that? Yeah, I live in heaven with God. We got some pretty cool stuff up there.
0: I mean, not that you'll ever see it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or am I? Um I
1: always I always love that cuz it's pretty funny. Um Part of it's a bit true as well, isn't it? Like, we get so caught up with uh, the things of this world and we lose sight very quickly of the things of heaven. And that's really, you know, if you were here last week, Glenn sort of touched on that as well, you know, that talked to the sheep and the goats and, um, uh, you know, sort of the judgment that we are to come, uh, that's coming. And, you know, I've been thinking this week, like, it's really hard to live life with an eternal perspective. And that I think so often as a church,es that's almost like our responsibility is to sort of help us keep eternity in mind and not get caught up with what we're doing. So this morning, yeah, we sort of continue on Jesus Says theme. You can see it there that Jesus says, there your heart will be. And, um, you know, before you go, oh, great, uh, another sermon on money. Um, You've got to hear me out because... This isn't just about money. And that's what this passage is about. Like, it's actually about our hearts. And and like Scott was sort of saying before, that actually, you know, that's where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That this is really about our hearts. And, you know, this isn't about, you know, getting more money or like making sure we fulfill our ministry statement or, you know, get more money in the offering bags or something. Like I didn't even know Paul was doing that announcement this morning um it works out kind of well but it's not on the order of service we didn't know about it you know but there's this sense that you know that's not what it's about but it's about our hearts and it's about actually does god capture our hearts do we allow god to actually be you know our king like we sang about before if jesus is our king then that totally changes the way that we live our lives and the way that we use our money and um You know, I remember a lecture that I had there that said, you know, other than the kingdom of God, Jesus talks about money. Like that's his sort of second most talked about topic. If you look at his preaching, if you look at his parables, money comes up all the time. And if you really look throughout the Bible, you, you cannot ignore what God says about money. And particularly about what Jesus says. And if you think about it, it's sort of like a smart sort of PR move on Jesus' part. You know, like he's going around, he's talking a lot about money. Um, Because it's something that we all have, or it's something we all aspire to have. Maybe the uni students among us can, you know, relate to that. Or it's something, it's definitely something that we all need, yeah? We all need money in the world that we live in. Um, But it's also pretty serious. You know, if Jesus is talking about this so much, what does that mean for us? And particularly as a, you know, the church, particularly in the West, money is just something we don't talk about. We don't talk about it in churches. We don't talk about it in our life groups or in our um you know people that we connect with. It's sort of this very private thing where we don't talk about how much we earn or what we give or anything like that. And we've got to take seriously that Jesus talks about it a lot. You know, like Scott says, some of those classic sayings of, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, you know, it's it's what the Bible talks about. And it's not that it's a bad thing, you know, it's not that Money is terrible. It's something that we need. It's it's a good thing. But the danger is when a good thing becomes a God thing. And that's not just with money, but that's with anything in our lives. When good things become God things, that just puts everything out of whack. So this morning, as we talk about our treasure, as we talk about what Jesus has to say for us, you know, the warning and I guess the challenge is clear. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. It's one or the other, and that's really... The question for us this morning is, um, is which one will it be? And we need to take seriously this, this passage, not because, you know, I think our money's an issue, but because our hearts can be an issue. And that's what we want to look at this morning. And so if you keep your Bibles open, we're going to work through the passage. It's sort of broken up into sort of three neat paragraphs, which I love, it's structured, it's clear, and we're going to work through it like so. So, we're going to start off by looking at the first few verses and looking at how Jesus talks about the value of things. So, turn to the person next to you and say, you're valuable. Come on, we need to, be, we need to wake up in school holidays. Turn to your second choice, the per- person on the other side, and say, you're just as valuable. There you are. All right, that'll all make sense as we go through. Um, Verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the key word in that little section is, is treasure. That's the key word. The, the word can also be translated as like your storehouse, or your treasury is probably maybe a better way to translate it. Um, it's like a safe. It's actually, it's not like, it's why, where you kept your precious things. You know, if you think of like the movies where they had these really high-tech safes, and it's always like that's where the valuable things are in. And so what Jesus is actually sort of asking and saying is, you know, that, that treasury, that safe, that storehouse, where you keep your precious things, the things of value to you, is that on earth or is that in heaven? That's what Jesus is really trying to get into, is is your valuable things to you do you keep them on earth or do you keep them in heaven and it's sort of like he sort of say, you know why why would you keep it on earth cuz earth is temporary moth and rust destroy things decay things get stolen but why wouldn't why wouldn't you store up those things actually in heaven where they're eternally secure and what it actually leads us to is actually it's not a matter so much of investment but it's, a, it's a matter of trust it's where do you trust is more safe. Do you trust that earth is safe or do you trust that heaven is safe? That's essentially what Jesus is saying. I remember when I, um, my first car, some of you will have fond memories of the, the VN Commodore that I had, uh, the Blue Beast, the, um, the best car a few thousand dollars could buy. It was fantastic. Um, now, what I used to do, and my mum used to get, she used to sort of, I think I was stupid for doing this. But I used to keep my wallet in my car. I still do. If any of you try and rob me, I will find you. Um, but I used to keep my wallet in my car. And my wallet was valuable, not necessarily because of its contents. There's not much in it. But more just the inconvenience of having to replace, you know, licenses and cards and stuff. That's usually pretty annoying. So. But my wallet was valuable. I kept it in my car because I just trusted that our neighbourhood in Roval was safe. You know, like, call me stupid or what, but, you know, I thought, it's safe there. No one's going to come and get it. And even though one of the little doors didn't quite lock properly and stuff like that, and they're pretty easy to break into, or so I'm told, you know, I just thought it was safe there. But, you know, if I had lived, you know, 10 minutes down the road in, in Danong, or a bit further, maybe in Noble Park, and it might be a bit different story. I mean, I just... The stories I hear, you know, I, I I'm not judging anything. It's just what people tell me, it's a bit unsafe. But, you know, it would it changed the way... <laughs> Sorry, Isaac, no offense. <laughs> I love you, bro. So I knew I could say it because it's easier. It's all good. But, you know, if you, where you keep your precious things, it actually says about who and what you trust. That, that if, if we value all the things of earth... If, if everything that we cherish is on earth, what does that say about what we trust or who we trust? Yeah, if the things that we prioritize and we spend time on and if we invest, if they are all earthly temporary things, what does that say about who we trust and what we have faith in? That's that's the heart issue, isn't it? That's, that's what Jesus is talking about. You know, I was doing some research and some statistics because... I love my stats. And um, I'll, I'll skip over a few of them. But one of them that probably is particularly... Um, five years ago, they did some studies across Australia on consumerism and, and sort of what we're spending our money on. And um, on average, per person, we spend $44 a week on clothes and footwear. So if you add that up over the course of the year, it's probably a couple thousand dollars each person, Australia-wide. So there's some people that spend less... Some people probably spend a bit more, and um, and once again, like it, it's not bad. Like, clo- we all need clothes, and you know, it's not a bad thing to sort of dress nice or anything like that. But you know, if we re- if we look at it, like clothes are so temporary. Like, I, I'm at an age now where I can look back on some photos, and I go, "What was I wearing?" And you see, it was it was fine when I was like 16 and looking back at photos because you know. I'd look at photos when I was five and go, Mom, what were you doing? But now I look at the photos and go, Joel, what were you doing? You know, like, why were you wearing that? You know, we're at that age, and it's like, it's so temporary, and we get caught up in this, uh, you know, I've continually got to look good and wear this and wear that, and, you know, you imagine over the course of a year what a few thousand dollars could do for the kingdom. Yet we get caught in this thing, i uh, continually, and like, like I said, I'm not saying... Don't buy new clothes ever again. But we need to see that the things of earth, here's the thing, earthly treasures can distract us from eternal treasures. That's essentially what happens, is that the things of earth distract us from the things of eternity. You know, and we see this, you know, I get the privilege of seeing this sort of every year when we go on our schoolies rev trips. You know, we head to a developing nation, and you're sort of confronted by poverty and material need, but every time I go there, I feel like maybe they're onto something. Like maybe they've actually got things a bit better than we do. Yes, they might not have the infrastructure and some of the things that you know we have, but they're always happy, <laughs> and they're content, and they have community, and they enjoy the moment. You know, they're not sort of rushed from place to place, so And I was always just feel like maybe they're onto something. And particularly at that time, you know, we get back, you know, a week before Christmas usually. And, you know, you come back, you go, you, you know, go from that, like materially poor, like not, and then you come back at Christmas where it's just like flashing lights everywhere. You know, it's, everything is like to the max in terms of the shopping centers and everything. And you think about it, like, we always have to remind ourselves at Christmas that, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Why? Because it's so, we so easily get distracted by what's going on. And so we need to consistently and continually remind ourselves that, like that video, that the things of eternity do not compare to the things of earth. And we can get so caught up in that. And the reality is is that it it begins to reveal not just who we trust and, and who we have faith in, but it reveals our heart. And that's what Scott was saying, and that's what Jesus is saying, that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. You think of like the movies or the TV shows that have, you know, pirates. You know, and they, they get this sketchy map that they ha- hardly make out, but they see an X. They don't even know what's there. It's just a story of they heard, oh, it must be someone's treasure. And they become obsessed with this idea. Like they've become fully captivated where I have to get to that space and find out what the treasure is. That, you know... When we realize that that treasure takes over our heart. And if you think about it, like for me, that's scary because my heart is up and down. My heart is divided. If you think of, you know, Paul says it in Romans, I don't do the things that I do want to do. I do the things that I don't want to do. You know, in Proverbs, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and 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 yes, we're given a new heart, and Jesus' Spirit comes into us to sort of lead us and to change us, and we're all sort of on this process. But when I look at my treasure and I see what I'm investing in, I, I, go, I get pretty challenged because it reveals a heart that's up and down, a heart that's sort of conflicted and that's challenged. Like I said, we're going to talk more about that as we go, but you know, I, I want to encourage us that, oh, you would actually be careful. To choose where our treasure goes, knowing that our heart will follow. That we'll choose where our treasure goes, knowing that our heart will follow. You know, if you think about, um, often with our family, we gather on Melbourne Cup Day. Um, it's usually around Lauren's birthday. So we gather and, you know, we watch the race and whatever, the race, you know, it's cool. But there was one year where we put money on it. And all of a sudden, I became a new man. Like, I did not care about horses. I did not care about racing. But all of a sudden, I'm on Google. I'm like looking at who's the favorite, who's the dark horse. You know, what's the past you know, two weeks of racing been looking like? And all of a sudden, I'm like invested in this thing because I put $5 on it. You know. And, and what if that's actually the same with you know, just the rest of life? That actually, if we put our money, if we put our treasure somewhere, that our heart will, might catch up. And so that we would actually commit and we would discipline ourselves to invest eternally. That we would invest in the kingdom. We would invest and would honor God with our money, knowing that our heart will catch up. That, you know, even though I don't feel like giving to the church, even though I don't feel like this sponsored child's making a difference, even though I don't feel like I've got enough extra cash to give to the homeless guy, I don't have time for this relationship, or I don't have time to come to Life Group or help out at Cavell, whatever it is like, Even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it anyway. Because I'm going to trust that my heart is going to catch up to where my treasure is. You know, and like I said, our hearts can be up and down. But what if, what if, just for us, that that though our heart is up and down, our treasure would be secure in heaven. That would say, that is where my treasure is. Regardless of the up and down nature of my life and my heart, my experience. Not the other way around. Not that our treasure would mimic our heart, but instead would say, no, my treasure is there. I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to discipline myself to that. And my heart is going to follow. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then we read in verse 22, Jesus seems to go on the classic tangent. And you go, what is he saying? He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? See, what's fascinating when we talk about treasure is that treasure is subjective. You know, we try and put like an objective measure to treasure and to money and stuff. Like we try and put price tags on things. But when you really think about it, you know, value... And, and treasure is subjective. You know, we have that saying, don't we? One man's trash is another man's treasure. The value hasn't changed. So, like, the price might not change, but the value is different to different people. You know, once again, cars are a great example. I don't care about cars. If it gets me from A to B, if it has a decent air conditioner, and if it plays music at a suitable standard, I'm happy. Like, I'm, that's my car. I'm happy as long as it does that. You know, where I've got a few friends that are complete opposite. You know, they're obsessed with the exhaust and the muffler and I don't know the other words that go with car things. But you get the idea, you know, they they become obsessed with this stuff. And it's like, you know, my friend, you know, I spent $100 and got this new exhaust. I go, you wasted $100 and got a new exhaust. Do you know, like, value and treasure is subjective. And so what happens then is that our eyes become super important. The way that we see becomes super important. That's what Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. See, it's all about how we see things. It's all about what do we see that has value and importance and significance. See, the reality is we can only invest in the things of eternity if we see the things of eternity. Like, we can only invest in the things of heaven if we begin to see the things of heaven. And it sounds simple and silly, but so often, like, that's the struggle, isn't it? We see the things of earth. If we invest in the things of earth, we see the results. Yeah? We put money into this company, or we put money into this house, or this car, whatever, and we see, you know, the benefits of that very quickly. Whereas... You know, we we start to invest in the things of, of God and we don't quite see what happens. You know, we invest in these people, we invest in, in this and we don't always see it. And that's why, once again, it's a heart thing because it's about faith and it's about trust and that we're called to believe even though we can't see. That's faith. And so ultimately, I think we need to begin to see differently. and We need to see the things of eternity and that it comes down to God and people. Like if you look at the end of the book, if you look at Revelation 21, the things that survive judgment, the things that are there for eternity, it's God-centered and surrounded by His people. Everything else is a bit vague. We're not quite sure how the rest works, but that's pretty clear, that the things of eternity is Jesus Christ, and it's His people, and in fact, all people. So we need to pray to God, that we would actually begin to see Him as the ultimate treasure. That He would become the ultimate treasure of our lives. That we would grow in our relationship with Him. That we would walk the road with Him by faith, not by sight. And we need to ask ourselves, you know, how much money, how much time, how much energy are we actually investing into our relationship with God? That's that's been a real challenge for me lately because I've slacked off a lot. And so we need to ask ourselves actually how if, if that's my treasure am I investing into that for where our treasure is there your heart will be also. And ultimately we need to know that this is a work of God that God is the one who saves that God is the one who changes our hearts and God reveals himself and God opens our eyes. And if you think of the rich young ruler Andrew spoke about this a few weeks ago, you know, the rich young ruler where you know Jesus comes to this man who wants to be in. He wants to inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, well, this is what you've got to do. And he walks away. This is a man that had followed the law to a T. And, and, and the disciples go, well, who then can be saved? <laughs> and Jesus says, you know, what did she say? It's harder for the camel to pass through. It's harder for the rich to enter the, the kingdom of heaven than it is for the camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Like, that's how hard it is for you. And the disciples are like, well, once again, who then can be saved? And what does Jesus say? With man it is impossible, but with God it is possible. That is the only way that we, we get in. That is the only We need to recognize that we're rich. In the context of this world, we're rich. And the only way that we get into the kingdom of heaven is through God. With man it's impossible, with God it is possible. So we need to cry out to God, to open our eyes, to reveal himself and to help us see him as the ultimate treasure. So that's God. The other thing is people. C.S. Lewis has this beautiful quote in his book, The Weight of Glory. And I just want to read it to you. It says this. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations... These are mortal, and their life is to ours as that of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, who we work with, who we marry, who we snub and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our enjoyment must be that of the kind which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy no superiority, and no presumption. It's a long quote and says a lot of things, but the main gist of it is that people are immortal. People are eternal. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. And so that, that should change the way that we see people. It should change the way that we interact with them. It doesn't mean we're always sad. That's what he says. It doesn't mean that we're perpetually solemn, but it means that from the very outset, we take people seriously that we need to see people differently and we need to become serious about people. It doesn't mean we can't, you know, buy those clothes. It doesn't mean we can't do these things. But when we become more serious about our possessions, about our house, about our lifestyle, about our image, about our bank account, when we're more serious about those things than we are about people, I question whether we're seeing things properly. See, because in the end, people are the only Things the only people they they they're the only things that last for eternity other than God. So how do we make sure that we see people of worth, see people of value, and invest into them with our time, our energy, and our money? So Jesus also warns us that if the eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And this is so true in in the treasure side of things. You know, we get caught in the comparison trap. We get caught looking around you know if you think about you know jesus puts a challenge god and money if you think about that god and money from like a purely rational philosophical point of view god and money are not equal like if you were to, if, if i'm sure if we were to sort of talk to someone whether they're not whether they believed in god or not if we were to, if i was to ask someone what could a never-ending supply of money do for you and they would probably, you know, you know, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a lot of things. Yeah, you know, I could get this house, this car, I'd never have to work, I could travel, I could do all this stuff, you know. You can imagine what a never-ending spy money can do for you. But then imagine what the creator of the universe, an all-powerful God, what could that do for you? Whether you believe it or not, just from a philosophical, rational point of view, what, would that, what could he do for you? Like, they are completely different playing fields, yeah? I'm sure we're like, we can agree that, that, that. It's not equal. Money can do a lot, but there's some things that money can't do. There's some sicknesses and diseases and all that that money can't solve, but, but an all-powerful creator God, He can. You know, and that is, we, we've got to recognize that it's not an equal fight. And so why do we get caught in that struggle? Why do we get caught in the struggle between God and money if they're not equal? It's because I think we begin to look around. We keep watching what everyone else is doing. And once again, treasure is subjective. So one person gets this new car and they are the happiest person ever. And so I look at them and I go, oh, wow, maybe I need that. They look so happy. They look like they're having a great time. Maybe I need to get a new car too or we see someone with a new gadget or new clothes, or we see people traveling, or we see whatever it is, and we think, oh, maybe I need that too. And what happens is we start living by sight and not by faith. We start, you know, instead of believing that Jesus is all we need, we go, yeah, I need Jesus, but I also need some of that. <laughs> like, look how happy they are. Look at, look at their life. Maybe I need some of that too. And particularly in you know our social media age, this just gets ramped up. Because we always see the highlights of everyone's life and we compare it to sort of you know, the behind the scenes of our life and we go, I need some of what they're doing. They look like they're having a great time. We actually need to learn to actually live by faith, trusting that, that Jesus is the only one that satisfies. He is the only one that fulfills. And that Jesus gives us life in all of its fullness. And he is all we need. And, it's, and we can't look elsewhere. We need to look to him and to him alone, by faith, holding on to him. And so Jesus wraps up and says, no one can serve two masters. And the question really is for us, well, what's it going to be? You cannot serve both God and money. You know, this word for money, it's traditionally translated as, as mammon, you know, in sort of the traditional translations in the original language, it's related to the Hebrew word for trust. But once again, it's, it's, about, it's about your trust. Do you trust God or do you trust your money and the things of this earth? And it can't be both. You can't trust both of these things. When your life comes down to it, you trust one or you trust the other. You can't do both. And that's what Jesus says. You will love one and hate the other. You'll devote yourself to one and despise the other. And, and like I said, we can't kid ourselves anymore. Like We get caught in this struggle. I get caught in this struggle. You know, so often I hear myself talking with despised language. There's a despised tone in what I'm talking. You know, I start to despise the things of God. I, I don't have time for this. I can't be bothered catching up with this person or whatever it is. I don't, I don't want to give my money to this. Like, I'm sick of this. And we begin to despise. And I think when we hear that language in ourselves and other people, we need to call it out and we need to say to people, maybe we're caught in a struggle that we shouldn't be caught in. That we need to listen to our language. Are we devoted or are we despising? And look, in the end, my prayer for this morning is, is not that we would raise more money. Not that we would fulfill a budget or a ministry statement or anything. You know, I've got, I've got some, some sort of action, practical things that I want to encourage you to think about later today or this week. But for this morning, like my prayer is really that we would see Jesus for who he is. That we would see Jesus as the ultimate treasure. And like we'll sing about those songs this morning, like they, that's what we need to see. We need to see the sacrifice and the gift that God gave us, that Jesus is the ultimate treasure. And what I love about treasure and treasure hunts is that they're exciting, they're an adventure. You know, you think about the movies, you think about the shows, you know, Indiana Jones, he hears about this treasure and all of a sudden it is the greatest adventure you can imagine. You know, that actually, what if what if that was the sort of understanding that we brought to our walk with God, that this isn't just a chore, this isn't just, I need to do this, but actually this is an adventure of finding Jesus in each and every circumstance of our life. And the promises the promise of God's Word is that When we seek Him, we will find Him. And those who seek Him with all their heart will find Him. See, life in all of its fullness, life in all of its fullness is not about, you know, traveling the world or doing these great, amazing experiences or getting more stuff or having the nicest house or doing crazy stunts or anything like that. Life in all of its fullness is about finding Jesus in every situation, in every circumstance, day by day, looking to Him and recognizing that He is all we need. That is life in its fullness. Read the context of John chapter 10. And it's all about the good shepherd and his people. And it's all about listening to his voice and walking the road with him. That is what life in all of its fullness is about. So the question this morning is, is where is your treasure? And I want to encourage you, like I said, later today, later this week, that you'd take some of these practical things home, that you'd look at it. You know, I remember... (laughs) One of our, when I did Year in the Sun, they used to say this all the time. They used to say, an unreflected experience is a wasted experience. And it did my head in. They used to, when we went and did, la- we played laser tag. I thought it was going to be a fun afternoon of playing laser tag with all my friends. And then they'd get us afterwards like, we need a debrief. Unreflected experience is a wasted experience. I'm like, I just owned everyone in laser tag. Like, what's there to learn? I literally, I came second. I was pretty, pretty proud of myself. And then I had to learn about myself and recognize a few things there too. But, you know, that this morning, that this wouldn't just be another message that we hear. It wouldn't just be another thing, but actually it would take time later today, later this week, to actually reflect on it and think about it. And a couple of things I would encourage you to do is one is to test your heart. That you would test your heart. That you would see where your treasure is. Yeah, um, maybe this is one, one thing you can do is is for one month, track um, your expenses. I did this, you know, there's apps that can do this now. I just did it in my notes on my phone. And for a whole month, I, I tra- took track last year of what I spent my money on. Every single thing. I put, this is what I got and this is, you know, how much I spent. And uh, at the uh, end of the month, I reflected on that, I read on that, and I discovered that... Um, Part of my treasure was the golden arches of McDonald's, you know. And I had to make some changes in my life, and I'm still a work in progress. So. But actually, that would actually test and actually see where's my heart and where's my treasure and where am I spending my money on. You might look at your budget, you know, for those of you who have budget, and actually take that out again and have a look and see, okay, actually, where are we spending our money? One thing I'd encourage all of you to do, and, and, and actually that would talk about this, not just in, in your family or in, your, in your, your marriage with your partner, but actually talk about it in our life groups or in our accountability groups or grow groups. That would actually break the silence around money. I think it's a scheme of the enemy that we do not talk about money in Christian circles. That we sort of keep it individual, we keep it private, and we don't talk about it. And I think we need to break the silence around that. I remember hearing about an accountability group that recognized that money was an issue for them. And so what they'd do, every month they would meet and they'd bring their bank statement. And they would hand it around and say, what do you see? What am I missing? Tell me about, do you know? Like, that, that, that. For me, I heard that. I'm like, that's full on. But there's also a part of it go, that would be so cool. Because I recognize what a struggle it is for me to actually be disciplined and, and, and to think about. And that would actually break the science about our money. That would talk about it in grow groups. So one, test your heart, see where your treasure is. The second one is to train your heart and to set where your treasure goes. That we would commit to giving. Maybe you'll take a pledge home. <laughs> pledge form I didn't, like I said, I didn't know, but maybe we'll take a pledge form home today and actually say, okay, this is what I'm going to give for the year. I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to be disciplined with that. That we would commit to being generous. Maybe, maybe you keep some extra cash in your wallet just for the sake of being generous. That actually I'm going to discipline myself and commit myself to being generous. Maybe we need to redo our budget. What if we reordered our our life and our priorities with an eternal perspective? That instead of my budget being focused on, on me and us and our savings, what if we budgeted with God and people as a priority? What would that look like for us? What would that mean? And that might be a financial budget, might be a time budget. You know, you know, particularly for young people, that you'd actually think about, look at your calendar, look at your, your diary and see, am I spending all my time on myself, and, or actually am I using my time to invest in the things of God? And so, like I said, there's just a couple of practical things that I would encourage you to have a think about during the week. But as we wrap up, this is my big thing, is that we would know that Jesus is not just the ultimate teacher, but Jesus is the ultimate example. That actually, in the end, Jesus gave up his life because he saw us. He saw us as valuable, as important, and significant. You know, God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave up, his earthly life, so that we might have his eternal life. Jesus gave up his earthly life. He said no to the things of earth so that we might have eternal life. And I just thought, what if that was true of us as well? That actually as we said no to the things of earth, as we began to say no to, that we would give up our earthly lives and we would pursue Jesus and we would live his call. And as we share his gospel, that people would receive eternal life because we've given up our earthly life. Like, what about that? Like, what if the people in your workplace, the people in your friendship circles, the people of our community, the people around the world, that they would actually know and receive Jesus because we became serious about God and about people more than the things of this world. And in the end... The reality is God doesn't need your money. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. All the people belong to Him. Like, God has everything. It's all His. He doesn't need your money. You know, He says that numerous times about the Bible. That he doesn't need our sacrifices. He doesn't need our money. But He wants our heart. He wants your heart and He wants it completely with no competition. And that through God's Spirit, He promises to make us new. He promises to make us like Him. That's a work of God that He will continue to renew and to restore our hearts. And so here's the thing. Unless we actually walk this road with Jesus, we miss the point. If all you've heard this morning is, I need to give more money to things, you've missed the point. (laughs) That actually this is about walking a road with Jesus. It's about fixing our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, and throwing off the sin that easily entangles us and running this race with perseverance, with our eyes fixed on him. And so my prayer this morning is the words of the famous hymn. This is my prayer for us, that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, that we would look full in his wonderful face, and that the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That this morning that we would see Jesus, that we would receive and that we would know his grace. That we would see the ultimate example of giving up the earthly for the eternal. And that as we see him, that the things of earth would grow strangely dim. Like I love that thought that all of a sudden, we go home you know and you know all of a sudden those new gadgets don't matter so much all of a sudden those clothes don't matter so much or that how or whatever it is the things of the earth they just grow strangely dim like it doesn't make sense why they don't they're not as important to us but they've grown strangely dim as we've seen the light of god's glory and his grace amen I'm going to invite our, our band up. I'm going to wrap up with a song. Um, yeah, you guys can come up. And um, that this song that it says, you know, that we're running to him. We're running to Jesus, and the riches of his love will always be enough. That would we'll declare that he is good, that he is peace, that he is hope, that he is true, and all these things. But just that. You know, Donna asked me, What song do we do? Because I'm like I tried to handball it to Donna and just like pick a song. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And so and then I came I remember this song and just that line just captured me. The riches of your love will always be enough. That's essentially what this morning's about. That our heart would sing no other name and that we would yeah. And so I, I pray that as we sing this, that it would be a song of praise mm. and it'd be a song of praise. <laughs> Recognizing that. Actually, sometimes for me, the riches of his love aren't enough. <laughs> like, that's honestly what my heart is. I, I get caught looking elsewhere. I get caught getting sucked into other things. But actually, I'm going to make that my prayer this morning, that God, the riches of your love will always be enough. I pray that that would be me. That would pray this for ourselves, for our families, for our church. We'd pray this for those around us, for our community, that they would know, that people would see that God is enough. And that is all we need. So let's stand and let's sing.